Well, I have sure enjoyed the music tonight and the songs, and uh, thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here. You know, uh, my wife and I went on the road here towards the end of July. I think it was like maybe the first couple of days in August. And uh, by the end of this month, we will have been gone just about four months from our children, our church, and our grandkids. And uh, we were talking today how much we miss our grandkids. <laughs> miss our kids, too, but uh, we miss our grandchildren. So uh, it's kind of fun to be in a church that's got kids that are the age of our grandkids and, uh, and be able to play around with them a little bit and get them to laugh and kind of fills in the gaps of us missing ours. So we thank the Lord for that. And uh, so we thank the Lord for being here. I appreciate the Montoro family and uh, Brother Pete and uh, the hospitality and the accommodations. The great meals we're getting uh, as Julie is cooking us up great meals and feeding us uh, the lunches and the dinners, especially the dinners at night. And we thank the Lord for that. We uh, did get a chance to go down and see the uh, Twin Towers Memorial and the ground zero today. We got there before the weather hit, and uh, and we got back just about the time it started to sprinkle a little bit. So the Lord was good to us, and I uh, appreciate uh, Brother Montoro taking us down there. I'm going to have you take your Bible tonight, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Philippians. I personally feel that probably one of the great missionary books of the Bible is the book of Philippians. And uh, last night, we were just talking a little bit. I wanted to start the conference last night off with us having just having a right attitude about missions. I think it's so important that we take on the right attitude about missions. And I just mentioned last night that the right attitude to have is that it's my duty to give to missions, especially since I've become the beneficiary of spiritual things, salvation and all the things that God and then to take on the attitude that I owe a debt to others uh, that have uh, need to be saved. And also have that desire to want to see churches planted and so forth. And I merely said last night that if you'll incorporate and instill those three attitudes about missions, it'll be easy for you to be a soul winner, be faithful to your church, be involved to missions. Tonight I want to talk about uh, who benefits from mission giving. Who is the beneficiary of mission giving or who benefits by giving to missions? And so if you have your Bible, I'm going to have you turn with me, if you could, to Philippians chapter number four. And if you're able to stand in out of, out of respect and honor for the reading of the word of God tonight, we'll read in verse number 10 and I'll read just 10 verses here in Philippians chapter number four, speaking about who benefits through mission giving. Verse number 10, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi. In this great mission book, he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to... To abound everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye communicated with my affliction. Of course, that word to communicate there is an interesting word. 
It means uh, one who has become a partaker or one who has helped to distribute to my needs. So he's saying that you've become, you've communicated by becoming a partaker and distributing to my needs here. So he said, I departed from Macedonia. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia to church, no church communicated, or it means nobody partnered with me or helped to distribute with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a, of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in this place, in this church. And uh, Lord, uh, we give you the honor and the glory for that. I thank you for these that have kind of weathered the weather to come out and be here tonight. And others that may have had a desire to do that were not able. So I'm thankful for these that are here. I pray that it will be a profitable time for us to learn something from the Word of God that will help us and challenge us to be able to get more involved in giving not just economically, but of ourselves to world missions. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. For the message this evening, I'm interested in the words contained there in just as verses 15 to 20 in those five verses, because uh, I believe it provides us some benefits in regards to missions. In other words, who benefits from missions? Here's You know, after pastoring a lot of years and going through 36 missions conferences in my own church there where I had the privilege to pastor, it was easy as a layman, for people as laymen, to get the idea that their responsibility to missions rested simply in giving an offering once a week or once every two weeks or whatever. And they felt like once they'd given that offering, that pretty much their responsibility to missions was was fulfilled. And that's as far from the truth that there is, is that we're not just to give once a week and say, well, what more do you need? I, I increased my giving or I gave to missions, so now uh, my responsibility to world missions, I'm helping to send missionaries. Well, missions encompasses much more than just an economic offering, although uh, uh, giving to missions uh, with us, our finances is very, very important to do. And we hold a conference like this, not just to simply get more people in the church to get on board in the missions program, but maybe through the missions conference, God might speak to somebody in here to surrender their life to be a missionary. The Bible says the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth workers into his harvest fields. And so uh, part of missions conference is also, Lord, would you just maybe speak to somebody in here about giving their life to world missions and, and uh, answer the call. Or it might just be that in a missions conference, some of you may not have been as active in, in soul winning around in your own Jerusalem. And you've gotten to the place where you're complacent about that or indifferent. And you get to this place to where you want to maybe get more involved in helping to build up this local church. 
by reaching the community that's here. And that's missions as well. And uh, so when we think about missions, it involves so much more than just an economic offering. And let me say very emphatically that the, the whole purpose of our existence as a New Testament church has to do with worldwide missions. And beyond that, everything else is secondary. Really, when you think about that. The Bible's very clear that the church's primary objective should be to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I understand that in the days that we're living in, many churches are starting to turn inward rather than the focus outward. And it becomes an idea where we put on picnics and pageants and and programs and things that entertain ourselves. I'm not saying that's true of this church, because I know the Montero family. But I'm simply saying across America, where we travel, many churches are no longer having revivals. They're no longer having missions programs. They're not holding services on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. And, and they're cutting back on all of that. And what they do when they gather themselves together, it's all about social activity and programs. We have churches in Phoenix that have taken the name Baptist off their churches. And uh, in Phoenix, they have programs to where they'll have just about anything and everything for the family. Some of the churches have bowling alleys. Some of the churches have uh, Starbucks right in their church, right in the foyer. Starbucks has come where they can come and eat donuts and have coffee. And they'll have bands and they'll entertain themselves. And, and uh, the, they've got schools and their kids can come and play ball and go to school. And it's almost like a city within itself. But they're not doing too much to preach the gospel. They're not doing too much to reach the community. It's because they've gotten their eyes off from the need of world missions. The primary objective of the church and the Great Commission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it's easy in these last days of speaking to somebody tonight about seeing some signs of the last days. I think that's one of those signs of the last days is we're seeing that there's less and less outreach to the world where Christians are turning inward. And so we know that the primary objective, according to the Apostle Paul, uh, is uh, the idea of preaching the gospel around the world. Now, in this text here, the Apostle Paul is writing from a Roman prison, and he's expressing his gratitude to this church at Philippi for their participation in helping him to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And sometimes that task of reaching the world can be kind of an overwhelming and sometimes challenging in the scope of trying to reach seven and a half billion people on the planet. Many, many countries with closed fields. In the case of Paul, it resulted in him suffering or uh, going and doing without. He talked about there in Romans last night, we didn't read it, but just the verses prior to the verses that we did read, Paul said, I've strived to preach the gospel in the places where Christ's name has not yet been, uh, been, been given. So the word strive there meant that he had to suffer and contend with things, and he had to go without in many ways. And so uh, it resulted in him doing a lot of suffering or doing without. But one thing that Paul learned is that even though he sometimes was abased and, and, and faced with bonds, uh, he could still rejoice knowing nothing hindered the power of the gospel. Even though that he might have been in prison, he said in 2 Timothy 2.9, he said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, 
even unto bonds. But the Word of God is not bound. He said in Philippians 1.12, I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul was simply saying, though, even though that I've been striving and contending and going without and suffering to get the gospel out, and even though that they have bound me, they haven't bound the gospel. You can't, you can't bind the Word of God. The Word of God was still being preached and still going out in spite of what Paul was going through. Now, now in our text here in Philippians 4, and especially in verses 15 to 18 in regard to missions, Paul reveals some I think what I call important benefits regarding missions that sometimes are not realized uh, or or maybe we we overlook them. So Paul uh, wants to declare here five positive benefits about missions and the effects that the missions giving has upon uh, these five different things. Who benefits from it? Who benefits from giving to missions? Well, first of all, in verse number 15... There, if you notice, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now, my my feeling is here is that all four of these chapters, because the book of Philippians is not a very long book, it's condensed down into four little short chapters, and it's really all about Paul expressing his gratitude to the believers in Philippi for being able to give and take care of his needs as a missionary and getting the gospel into the world. And so, first of all, I've just put down here that one of the things that benefits from your mission giving is that, is that your own church here, listen, your own church uh, benefits from you getting involved in missions. So missions is basically fundamental to the church's mission. Now, we already mentioned that, that the primary objective of a church and our primary mission is not ourselves, but to get the gospel out. And so Paul is speaking on this uh, in this way. And I believe the word gospel is a description of what the church's primary mission is, is about. Notice how many times Paul uh, alludes to this word gospel in this epistle. And to me, what he's doing is he's reminding us that proclaiming the gospel is key to the primary and fundamental mission of the local church. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Just go back a few pages there. Philippians 1, verse number 5. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then he mentions in verse number 7. He says, even as it is meet for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in bonds and in the defense uh, and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Verse number 12, he says this, these words, he says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Verse number 17, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Verse number 27, he speaks about the faith of the gospel at the end of that verse. And so if you were to follow this, this one primary word, the word gospel, uh, he is letting the church know there that, that his mission or his calling 
is that he had been separated unto God or unto the gospel. When God saved Paul, God, God separated Paul, set him apart to preach the gospel. And fundamental missions and missionary work is really about the proclamation of the gospel. And after all, there's a lot of opinions today when it comes to defining missions or what missionaries are or what missionary work encompasses. I was writing down a couple of things this afternoon when I was going over this missions and this message. Mission work might include, okay, now it might include, uh, you know, the idea of humanitarian efforts. Uh, when a missionary goes to the field, they do a lot of humanitarian efforts. They'll maybe work on setting up a hospital. Uh, and because of the diseases and so forth in some country, they provide medical needs. Uh, they may even uh, supply and build orphanages where they go into some countries and there's so many children that have been abandoned that they'll build an orphanage and so forth and take in children. Or they may even go there and humanitarianly help them know how to grow crops in a field. And they call that missions. Well, let me say this to you, that I'm not opposed to building an orphanage. In fact, when you go to Mongolia, you might end up having to do something like that. I think it's a, there's a need for things like that. Uh, there's a need sometimes to help people to be able to have physical food and do those kind of things. There's a need to maybe take on some medical issues that you have to deal with. But, but let me say this to you very emphatically. God didn't send missionaries to just provide medical help. He didn't send missionaries just to provide how to grow food. He didn't send missionaries into the world uh, with a, with a com- great commission on just setting up an orphanage. Listen, you can go to mission fields and there's people that are called missionary that go over and all they, that's all they do, but they never give the gospel. Uh, they, they help them physically. They feed them. They'll house their children. They may do all kinds of other things and they say we're doing missionary work, but honestly, according to the Bible, that real fundamental mission work is preaching the gospel because it doesn't do any good to help somebody physically if they die spiritually at the end of their life and they go on to a devil's hell. And so really the primary, the primary mission of a church is not to send couples over to Mongolia to establish an orphanage, even though they may do that, and to establish growing crops, and they may have to do that. And it's not so that they'll go over there and provide medical needs, and they may have to do that. But their primary mission, and every missionary that I know this church would, would send forth, is established with the idea that we're going to give the gospel, because that's the primary great commission of the church. That's why we're here. That's our, that's our, everything else is secondary to preaching the gospel. We go there to try to win them to Jesus Christ, and then uh, in the process of doing that, some of these other things. But the primary goal is to, uh, to establish... Uh, getting the gospel. So after Paul was saved, he said in Romans 1 and verse 1 uh, that he was called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. In Romans 1.15, so as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. In verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen to me. The Pauline epistles make it very clear that missions and missionary work is a fundamental 
commission of preaching the gospel and reaching the world with the gospel. In fact, that's what Paul said, uh, did he not, when he uh, talked about going into Corinth. We talked about the missionary journeys of Paul last night. And if you were to look over there at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, what does he say? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, verse 1, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now watch this. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So Paul said, the very first thing that I ever did when I came into a a regent, was I, I, I delivered unto them the gospel. I gave them the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Paul said that was my primary commission. I was separated for that very purpose, to preach the gospel. And so when I say that who benefits from your mission giving, well, first of all, when you give to missions or you get involved in missions at this church, you are benefiting this church and helping this church to fulfill the Great Commission. You're helping this church to be able to do its primary objective. You see, if all you do is just tithe and you don't give to missions, or you don't go soul winning, or you don't hand out a track, or you never witness to, the, to someone for Christ, then you're not really benefiting this church. Because uh, you're going to see in a few moments that this church will grow through soul winning, not through any other kind of effort. You don't build up the church. And what a lot of churches are trying to do is they're trying to get away from what actually God intended uh, to build a church. Do you remember the Bible says uh, that he, uh, they that gladly received his word were then baptized and added to what? Added to the church. So we add people to the church when people hear the gospel and they receive it and we baptize them, then the church is built up. But what, what happens to churches today is they're not going out and doing the work that God's called them to do. They're trying to incorporate other means and other ways of building up their church other than just what it was intended to work to begin with. If the church of Jesus Christ would just get back to preaching the gospel and soul winning and giving out the Word of God, uh, you'd see the churches grow again. In fact, back in the 60s and 70s when some of the biggest, fastest-growing churches in America were fundamental independent Baptist churches. I think it was uh, uh, Elmer Towns that wrote books on the biggest, the ten largest churches in America. And eight of the ten of those churches listed in his book was independent Baptist. They were growing by the hundreds and thousands because they were out soul winning, giving the gospel out, bringing kids, children in on bus ministries and so forth. And the churches were growing and lives were being changed and out of that, out of that era, there were many that were being called to go out into the world and become missionaries. And so what's happened to, where, where's it, where are we at today? We're, we've moved a long ways from where we were at in the 60s and 70s to 2018. And now we come and we set into a church and we're, we're trying to build up our churches in other ways. I thank the Lord for Open Door Bible Baptist Church that still believes in soul winning, still believes in spreading the gospel still believes in taking on missionaries. You know, we're becoming a we're becoming a dinosaur type church in these last days. Thank the Lord for this church. So the very first one that benefits from your giving is your own church. Your church will benefit 
because you'll be helping this church to carry out its primary objective when you give to missions, whether it's through your soul winning efforts or whether it's through just giving substance. I want you to notice another one here, and that's found in Philippians 1. I want you to go over to Philippians 1 with me and look at verse number 3 through 5. Philippians 1, verse 3 through 5, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There was a, there was a bond formed that, uh, that between Paul and, and these believers, these early churches recognized that God desired them to partner and labor with him in getting this gospel proclaimed. And so when a man gets saved, when you, when you give the gospel out, uh, you're not only helping to benefit your church by carrying out its objective, but you're benefiting the lost because when the lost get saved, they become a part of a fellowship. I said a moment ago that uh, really a local church is a fellowship. People say, how can we come in and join the fellowship of this church? We have, uh, in our church, we have a fellowship of believers. When someone gets saved and they get baptized, they've joined our fellowship, our church. The fellowship of our church. In our state, we have a state fellowship of independent Baptists where we work together. And uh, the idea of working together and fellowshipping together is because we've all together have been the recipients of the same gospel that's placed us into that fellowship. On a global scale, we have the GIBF, which is the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship. So now we have, not just in a statewide, but when we meet together in a location, people from all over the world in local churches just like this come together. And we come together for the idea of approving some more missionaries and sending them back out with the gospel. And we do that through a fellowship. So when, when, we, when we give to missions, you're actually giving to missions benefits the lost, not just benefits your church, because the lost hears the gospel, and when they get saved, they join a fellowship. Look with me, if you would, over to 1 John, the gospel, or not the gospel of John, but 1 John, and the declaration that this uh, one gives here in 1 John. He says, that which was from the beginning, in 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now watch this. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Why? So that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So really, when a lost man gets saved, he joins the fellowship of the family of God. And he becomes a part of the household of God. And when he gets baptized, he becomes a part of that local fellowship where he can be a part of that. So when you give to missions, you're helping to benefit a lost man of being able to hear the gospel and be added to a local church. So missions is more than just an economic offering, an offering plate. And you say, I've done my responsibility. Do you realize that when you give that offering, that you're helping your church to fulfill the Great Commission? When you give that offering, do you realize that that offering is going to be given to missions and somebody's going to preach the gospel? And if somebody gets saved, you've benefited that lost person through your giving? 
There's much more to benefit than just giving an offering. And by the way, this wasn't just joining the family of God, although every one of us that are saved joins a fellowship with God. But it, it, Paul mentions here in Philippians that he says, oh, I, I make requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now. So Paul is saying that you entered into a personal relationship with me, a fellowship with me. And he was thanking God for their fellowship in the gospel. What was he really saying? I'm thankful that you're, you have joined, uh, you know, this fellowship of striving together and partnering together with me because nobody else is going to help missionaries except local churches like ours. They're the ones that are going to give. So you, you help the church uh, meet its objective. You help the lost and benefit the lost when you give to missions because they join the fellowship of God and the personal fellowship with Paul. And by the way, it, it, it's, it takes more than just one church to send a missionary. Someone said, well, couldn't we get missionaries to the field a lot faster if one church would just take on this couple and send them, say, three or $4,000 a month and get them right to the field right away? The only problem with that would be that if this church ever went under or had a split or had a problem or the offerings dropped, the missionary couple would have to come off the field. So God's plan was never to get one church primarily to send a missionary. His plan was to get the gospel out so that when people join a fellowship, they become a fellowship of churches. That's why Paul is saying, I'm thankful that you've sent once and again unto my necessities. Uh, and, and the same was true of the churches of Thessalonica and other churches. You see, our state fellowship, we get together and we plant churches, but all of us as a fellowship of churches help one another. In other words, we're interdependent upon one another to get missionaries to the field. I have no idea what it takes to live in Mongolia. I have no idea what that would cost in a month. Each particular field has a different amount that they estimate that a family would have to have in order to survive on that mission field for its work ministry and their family needs and so forth. So they go on the deputation trail and they go to churches just like yours and just like the one that I pastored and they show their slides and say, God's called us to this field. Would you partner with us as a fellowship of churches and helping us to be able to go over there and preach the gospel? And so churches like your own and ours, we take on couples like that. Maybe Maybe this church at $75 a month, maybe another church at $200 a month, maybe another church at $100 a month. And eventually, as those churches give, there may be 50, there could be 60 churches, depending on how much they have to raise. Uh, they, they, they finally reach that total and say, we're at 90% of the total it takes to get to the field. And then they finally leave and go to the field. And if one church drops, they can still stay on the field because they've got all those other churches still carrying them. If five churches drop, I just had... We have uh, some missionaries out of our church that we're the sending church for in the Philippines. And Mike and Sandy Reap, I was speaking to these sweet Filipino people back here. And uh, Mike and Sandy Reap wrote me here not long ago and said, Brother Terry, uh, Pastor, we've, we've lost eight churches recently, either because their pastor changed, uh, transitioned, and a new pastor's in, and he's reevaluating their missions program, and they've cut our missions. Or... Uh, one of the churches went under, and it's being dissolved, and now we've lost our missions. And there was multiple reasons as to why. Some wrote, wrote Mike and said, we've changed our, our, our 
program. We're no longer sending missionaries. We're no longer supporting missionaries. And he's lost eight churches. And Mike said, we're still, we're still good. We're going to come home on furlough, and we probably need to pick up between seven and eight new churches that can fill in the gaps for them. But we've got enough churches fellowshipping with us and supporting us so that we don't have to leave the field. So it's not about one church sending a missionary. It's about each church doing their part to help get a missionary to a field and get them over to the regions beyond. But it goes beyond that, folks. It's not that we just stick in a five extra dollar bill or ten dollars in an offering plate and say, well, I've increased my giving. Maybe you gave fifty dollars a week or a hundred dollars a week or whatever. You decided you're going to increase that ten dollars more per week or whatever amount God lays on your heart. And so we, we feel like we've, we've done our part by just putting that $10 in there. But you have your own Jerusalem. You've got your own field to reach. And so it goes beyond just the economic. So the, benef- the ones that benefit from your missions giving is your own church because you're helping that church fulfill its great commission. And the church or the lost benefit from it because you help them to join a fellowship. Uh, there's a third thought here. And if you look at it in verse number 16 of chapter 4, Listen to what it says here in verse 16 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Paul says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessities. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I put down here that another, another one that benefits from this is the missionary. Not just your church, not just the lost. These missionaries benefit from your missionary giving. You'd say, well, I already knew that. No, I'm talking about the needs that they have. When you give to missions, you're helping to the missionary to benefit from your missionary giving. So your dollar that goes in the offering plate is helping your church, it's helping to get the loss of the gospel, and it's helping to meet the needs of the missionary. When our church uh, hosts a conference, and this uh, couple, Cameron and Hannah, will be, uh, will be in our co- conference in January. And we'll be back home and have a few days off, and so we're going to be in that conference as well. We won't be preaching. We will just be there because we like to be in our missions conference. What our church does is about a month to a month and a half before the missions conference starts is they send a letter to the missionary, and they'd say, uh, you know, you're, we, we require your entire family to be in our conference with the children. We love to have all the children in the conference. We don't want just the missionary to show up. We want the whole family. Because we do special things for the kids as well. But we ask them to list their personal needs, their ministry needs, their mission field needs, all the needs that they can think of that they need. And they write those down and send them in to us. And we usually have around four, maybe five missionary families in at every conference around that number. And usually a special speaker. And we give those needs out and place them on tables And the members of the church go out and they buy those needs. That or they give money to buy those needs. Then on the last night of the conference in our church, we bring those missionaries to the the platform and we add every missionary we have in that service. And then we bring out all the gifts. It's like Christmas in July, but it's in January. So they get a double Christmas. And they bring out all the gifts onto the platform and uh, the needs are there and read off, and we give them their love offer, and we take them on for support. I mean, we do everything that we can as a church to help meet the needs of the missionary. And so when you give money towards missions, it goes to missions. Uh, you know, our church has two checking accounts. Some churches just put it all in one. We have a general checking account where we take all the tithes 
and place it in there. We have a missions checking account for every mission dollar goes in a separate checking account so that it always goes to missions. We never take anything from a general and give to missions. We always make sure every dollar gets to the missionary or into our mission account so it can be given out to missions. And then we, we help meet their needs. So when you're giving, you're not just helping your church to fulfill the Great Commission and its primary objective of getting the gospel. And you're not just benefiting the lost so that they can get saved and join the fellowship of helping to give. Because once they get saved and they join the fellowship, now we've got another one in the fellowship that can now start giving and helping somebody else. And that's the whole benefit of giving to missions. And then it benefits the missionary because you're helping to meet the missionary's needs. And Paul is writing here saying, I'm thankful that you sent once and again unto my necessity. You helped meet my needs in that, in that way. When you participate in missions specifically and souls are saved, it results in helping to meet the needs of the missionary when you give. Here's another one. Look at verse number 17. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So another benefit of giving to missions is it benefits you. It doesn't just benefit your church. It doesn't just benefit the lost. It doesn't just benefit the missionary, even though that giving meets his needs. But your giving to missions is going to benefit you. You say, now wait a minute. If I'm giving money to missions through my church, how is that a benefit to me? Because Paul said here, when you give... Uh, he said, I'm not desiring the gift, but I'm desiring fruit that may abound to your account. So basically, when you give to missions, you're adding fruit to your account, your own account. I kind of look at, you know, I have a bank account and uh, I put money into my bank account and hopefully it goes up. OK, instead of down. If I can, if I can you know, uh, kind of keep my spending down, my bank account goes up. As money goes into that account. I believe that I have an account in heaven. And I believe that when I give financially here to a local church or through my church to missions, I believe that God adds that to my account in heaven. The Bible says, Paul said, I'm not desiring that you give me money so I can have some kind of a gift for myself. I'm desiring that you give to me so that any souls that are saved, the fruit of your giving will go on your account. And basically the idea there is, is that the word account there means to increase your account. It means to credit it to your account. So the moment you put extra money in or money to missions, you're crediting your own account in heaven so that your account's going up. And there's going to come a day when the account's going to be read. When you stand before the Lord and the books are, not the books, but the, our works are going to be looked at, whether they be good or bad. And I believe we're going to have to give an account, the Bible says. And God's going to look at the account. I wonder, if you ever thought about this? If God could give you a glimpse right now of your heavenly account, would you have under missions, what would your total be? Would it have been going up? Or is it that you've been cutting back? And not putting, because if I, if I keep cutting back or if I cut back and putting in my own physical account, then the total goes down. So I want to every year keep adding and increasing so that the total goes up. Okay? 
Now, here's the last one, and this is probably the best benefit of all. Not only does it benefit you because you are going to end up having fruit that will abound to your account, but notice in verse number 18, Paul says, But I have all and abound. I'm full, having a received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. I know that maybe you hadn't thought about this, but do you know that your mission giving benefits God? You ever thought about it benefiting the Lord? You say, well, how does it benefit the Lord? Because according to Paul, the minute that you give and you help, it becomes a sweet-smelling savor, a smell in the nostrils of God that's well-pleasing unto God. I've thought about it like this. Every time that I put my mission dollars in, it's like God is setting up in heaven and is going... Oh, that smells good. Man, I love that. Oh, somebody just gave to missions. That's a sweet-smelling savor. It benefits the Lord. He benefits from our giving. When we give to the Lord through missions, it it becomes a fragrance to the Lord that is a sweet-smelling fragrance. So, when we think about the benefits of giving to missions... The benefits of giving to missions is that it's fundamental to the church. The church benefits. The lost benefits from it. The missionary benefits from it. You'll benefit from it. God's going to benefit from it. In fact, do you remember when Mary broke her alabaster box there in Simon the leper's house to anoint the feet and the head and the body of the Lord Jesus prior to His death and, and going to Calvary? Do you remember what it said there? It said when she broke the box that the odor of the ointment, the aroma filled the house. Must have smelt good. I don't know what kind of ointments were in that alabaster box, but according to the Bible, that whole aroma filled the house to where the Lord must have known because she she was willing to give and pour out herself in that way. And And it was pleasing unto him, it said. He was pleased by what she did. I just believe this. When you make a decision that you're going to increase and give more to the Lord through missions, it fills the house in heaven. And he writes it on your account and says, there's some more fruit going on your account. And it benefits the lost because now somebody else is going to hear the gospel. And it benefits that church because now that church gets to fulfill its major objective through giving. I'm just telling you that Paul is thanking this church and saying, let me tell you something. There's a lot of benefits in giving to missions and increasing your giving to missions. There's a lot of benefits, a lot, a lot more than just, just a, a missionary benefits from it. The Lord benefits from it. You'll benefit from it as a church. You'll personally benefit from it. I believe that with all my heart. And after all these years that God would write on my account and say, You've given more to missions. And the more I give to missions, the more missionaries I can send, the more missionaries that we send, the more times the gospel gets out, souls are going to get saved. I think of the couple that's here tonight going to Mongolia. They haven't been to Mongolia. They haven't established a church yet. But they're going to come a day when they're going to come back on a furlough and they're going to show slides. And they're going to, you're going to stand there and you're going to see Mongolian people that got the gospel that have joined our fellowship. And now they're going to teach them to give. And it's an ongoing reproduction of the same thing. 
Folks, it's important not only to have the right attitude about giving to missions, but it's important to know that there's more than just one person or one thing that benefits from it. Paul is saying all of these things benefit from you giving to missions. Let's stand together tonight. And I, I want you to, I wanted to just preach this tonight because, uh, like I said, in a lot of churches, the average layman sometimes just gets the idea that missions is just me giving an extra $5. And I'll be the first to tell you this, early on in my Christian life, that's kind of how I viewed missions. I started out 48 years ago, I gave $5 a week to missions because I was a brand new Christian and someone said, God wants us to give to missions. So above my tithe, I started out at $5. And then every year beyond that, we've increased and increased and increased and increased different amounts uh, for 48 years. But you have to start somewhere. If you aren't giving to missions, start somewhere. And get on board in your missions program of your church. And start building up your account in heaven. And help missionaries and help your church. And help those. And help the Lord to be able to say, another one just got on board. And it's a sweet smelling savor in my nostrils. Father, I'm thankful for this church and churches like it. That are still holding missions conferences. Still seeing the need to get the gospel to the lost. And I'm praying, Lord, that this year, this will be uh, this church's greatest year in mission giving. That, Lord, we're willing to make some additional sacrifices to step out by faith and to give a little bit more so that others can receive the gospel and many can benefit from it. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to have uh, just an invitation. I'm going to have Brother Pete come. And if you'd like to come tonight and... And uh, just use the altar.